Welcome to Discover Energy Work, and I'm Richard Wicks. I always say, and I'm Richard Wicks. I, I am Richard Wicks, without an and. And today, I have Amanda Yik. And Amanda Yik is a Shinrin-yoku therapist. And I'm, I actually can read Chinese and Japanese. I think it's pretty much the same thing. But I'm going to let Amanda explain what a Shinrin-yoku therapist is. But it's something really special. And you're going to learn loads in this next episode, about 40 minutes of, of information and, and amazing experiences and a great story. Good morning, Amanda. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Richard. Thanks oh, for having me. That's great. I've got to say, I'm starting to feel really relaxed just with your your um, lovely presence with me today. So thank you for that. Um, you, you you've got this um, story and and your which has taken you to where you are of doing uh, Shinrin Yoku. What is Shinrin Yoku? for people I and mean, how would you introduce yourself would you say i'm amanda yik a shinrin yoku therapist or do you do you have another way so there's a few things um i can talk about uh, regarding shinrin yoku so first of all shinrin yoku is the the way the japanese is pronounced it's um in english it would be forest faithing um so it's funny how in English, a lot of times, you know, when people see the word forest bathing, the first question they ask is, do I need to bring swimsuits? And um, it's a question that I actually seldom get asked um, when I'm hosting it in Cantonese, because um, uh, typically I think what people imagine when they think about bathing is literally going into water. But what in this case forest bathing means is basically immersing ourselves uh, in the atmosphere of the forest. So um, mm. another way of calling forest bathing is uh, forest therapy. Um, mm. Some people don't like the word therapy because they feel like you need to be, you know, something needs to be wrong with you for you to need mm, therapy. Mm, but it's actually, um, it speaks to the therapeutic effects of being in nature, of, mm, of right. um, spending time in nature in a way that right. is healing. Yeah. It, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I just, I can draw a parallel between you, uh, Shoshana Weinberg, and, and so many people who, uh, and and um, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't. I, the names are just not coming to my head. But so many people who uh, have been on the show and said, like, I've got this connection with nature. I, you know, I nurtured my connection with nature. I learned so much from nature, and I just used to love hanging out in the woods, in the forest, in the on on the hillsides. And um, and this idea of immersion you know in the way that we we lose ourselves we become one with when we immerse ourselves in the water you know we're like one with the water it's, it's a beautiful picture but but now your background is quite different isn't it like where you came from i mean i'm sorry i'm leading you there but i i'm fascinated in in the you know what, what i'm fascinated really in is these journeys that people have made where they're like turning points in their life and they they went, oh, um, it's like I'm shifting into another layer of uh, life, consciousness, existence. Mm -hmm. Are you okay to share anything about that? Sure. It's a, it's a little bit of a windy path. Um, 
So in terms of career, I, I'm not starting from when I was born. No. <laughs> yeah, we've really only long. got 40 minutes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I started off as a commercial litigator working in a law firm in Hong Kong. I was mm. educated in, um, in the law school, obviously, and then I started mm. training. And so I couldn't be more far off than you know, being in the forest. Actually, I was killing a lot of trees because of all the papers that we were using in, um, right. in litigations, like folders after folders of documents mm. and evidence. Mm. Um, so I was living a very sedentary life. Like I was spending a lot of time in the offices um, and uh, that lasted um, nine years, um, nine years after I graduated. So um, it's, it's funny looking back because I think even during the first two years when I was still in training, I had a feeling that, you know, I can't be doing this for the rest of my life. Mm. Like, there's something about it that just doesn't feel right. But then I have absolutely no idea what else I can do. Um, so that's the only thing I know how to do. Mm. Um, and funny enough, I was actually quite okay with it. Like I, I got good grades in law school. Mm. I've only lost one case in all the cases I've handled. So like I was okay with it, but you know, so the, um, the push factor in terms of, you know, leaving law wasn't very strong. Like, I had really good colleagues and bosses as well, but it's the pool factor. It's, you know, there's something out there that's calling me, um, that ultimately, um, is what caused me to leave. Isn't it fascinating oh. you using the word calling because, you know, vocation comes from voca in Latin to call, um, you know, what, mm. we, what we're called to, to do. It's, it's as if it's coming from the outside rather than the inside or, yeah. or maybe, maybe a call from the inside. I think it's a call from the inside that's kind of manifested or I don't know if that's the right word, but it's definitely a call from the inside, but it's, triggered or it's brought to me through something on the outside and for me that's nature yeah. it's coming through um mm. the hills and the seas and the beauty that i saw and then something just triggered me um you know it's like someone hitting me with a you know with a rod on my head like what are you doing you know, look at this this is so beautiful what, was there a moment where sudden, that happened what i mean like yeah. like were you like sitting in the office and like there was a physical hit or I remember that moment very clearly it was and I actually wrote a post about it on Facebook not long ago um, it was uh, I think it was in 2006 while I was still a lawyer but then I was spending weekends um, away from the office like literally escaping the office so I would be spending weekends in countryside hiking hmm. um, you know, paddling, serving, whatever, like anything that takes me out of the office. Mm. But mm. there's this one day um, where I was in Sai Kong, which is a beautiful part of Hong Kong in yeah. the countryside. And, yeah. and I was just riding on a speedboat, um, traveling from one beach to back to the pier. And then it was kind of a normal sunny summer day. It was beautiful, uh, blue skies, it's hot, it was everything just glittered and um, felt so alive with colors and everything, mm. but still it wasn't out of the ordinary. Like all my friends were, you know, just chatting away and no one was paying attention to what's around us. But then all of a sudden I felt like, wait a second, 
there is something about this that is so magical. Like, mm. look at these hills, look at this mm. water. Um, and then it was that moment when I felt like I was hit in the head. Um, and then... Why, do you, use on, the, why do you use the, the expression hit on the head? Did you feel... I don't know. Like, I do. like it was like from here, like a, an impact? I think energetically it's, it felt like something from higher up. So that's why I've, I, I had mm. that feeling of being hit in the head. It's something from higher up. I think it hit me kind of in the heart, but then it, because it felt like it was coming from above. Mm. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, it felt quite spiritual in that moment. It, it's almost like, you know, if you, like language doesn't do it justice, but if I yeah. use the word God, it's, it feels like God saying you, something to me. Right. Were you disoriented in the moment? Or do you remember what you exactly felt in that moment? Did you, did you like fall mm. to the ground? I mean, if I bashed you no. on the head, I, I think you probably, or somebody bashed me on the head, I'd probably fall over. So, <laughs> from the outside, it doesn't look like anything. Like it looked like nothing okay. is happening. Yeah. Um, I was kind of just looking around and I was looking at my friends and wondering if they saw something different as well. Like I was like, Hey, there is something different. But yeah. then I look at my friends and then they're, they're not seeing anything. Like they're just mm. chatting away as usual. So I was like, Hmm, what's going on here? Something's happening. Um, mm. But you know, I, I wasn't like, no, yeah, nothing. I just continued on with that ride on the speedboat. And that's so it. It, was like, that, it was like for you, something had happened. You knew, but you didn't know, yeah, which is, that's, that's kind of a good thing, yeah. And was it then the, um, the beginning of a series of events? Mm, mm. So um, that's kind of like I heard the call. That's the, that's the moment when I felt like I heard mm, the call. And mm. then I, my lawyer life, I think, continued on for a few more years. But then I started to look at possibility, possibilities of changing um, mm. the area of focus. So I thought perhaps I could explore, you know, maybe I really wanted to do something to, about the environment because, because that's what the calling was about. It's like we need mm. to do something about this, mm. this beauty, you know. Mm. Um, you know, how are you going to tell people about this amazing beauty of nature? And I was like, oh, my God, I'm a lawyer. I sit at my desk and I help people sue each other. Um, what, what on earth can I do? So I thought maybe I can look into environmental law. So I changed to a different law firm and then it didn't work out because environmental law is pretty much non-existent in Hong Kong, where I'm from. It's, um, right. it's very uh, archaic. Um, so um, I enrolled in a, in a part-time master's at the University of Hong Kong. And I, um, after completing that master's, I moved into an NGO that um, basically promotes uh, corporate social responsibility. So that's what I did. Oh, cool. So I thought maybe that's, you know, maybe I can um, combine my commercial skills with mm. um, corporate responsibilities, the so working with companies to hopefully steer them towards environmental stewardship. Right. So um, that's the, that's kind of, I think, another um, big turning point for me. So I moved on. I left law after finishing that master's degree and joined an NGO that promotes mm. corporate responsibility. Mm. Mm. And then 
So when, when, I mean, now you, you went from there, was that the end of the story? Do you, did you like, that's um, not the end. yeah, that's why I said yeah. it's quite windy. Yeah. I guess. Well, oh, you know what Joseph friend. Campbell says about this. So I'm fascinated by uh, King Arthur um, and his round table and all the knights had to go on a quest um, oh. and they would have to go into the forest, but they couldn't go into the forest where there was a path because that's mm. not an adventure. Mm. Yeah, you, you have to make your own path. That's really, really challenging. Um, and, and of course, you know, it's, all it's saying is there's a path where you choose to make a path, essentially, mm. which is beautiful. Mm. I think when, it's, when you said it's challenging to go on a path where there's no path, I think it's equally challenging to not endeavor um, to not attempt to do that because it, it's challenge. I, that's what I've done while I was in law firm. I refrained from taking that um, leap of faith. So it was challenging in a different way. It was challenging because my life was getting so dull. Like I was seriously bored at work. Mm. Like I was getting all the financial rewards and you know the usual kind of prestige that gets attached to being a lawyer, but then mm. I was like rotting inside. So um, mm. it's another, it's another, you know, it's another kind of challenge. Um, mm. And then I joined the NGO, so going back to the story, and then mm. I joined the NGO. I, I worked there for about uh, more than three years before I got diagnosed with cancer. So um, it came as a really big shock because mm. I thought I was very fit. I was doing trail walkers, you know, mm. walking, you know, 100 KMs. And, you know, I was doing a lot of things that only a very, I thought only a very healthy person can do. So I had no doubt about my own state of physical well-being. Mm. Mm. And then all of a sudden I got hit with this diagnosis. Um, so I was kind of thrown into a completely different world. Mm. Um, into the world of a uh, of a sick person, of a patient, of someone who needs help, um, someone who's you know going to clinics you know every week for treatment. Um, the body kind of um, disintegrating in in many different ways. You know, I had to um, because my cancer was actually quite serious i was you know the moment the, the time when i discovered it it has already spread to my lymph nodes so i had to go through surgery chemo target therapy the whole thing lasted for about two years um yeah and, and that's just the mechanical part isn't it yeah it's like like that's like oh the, yeah. The, the, yeah there's a whole uh kubla ross um process of dealing with mm. um even where our own mortality, you know, these uh, stages of grief or the stages of sickness, um, mm -hmm. it's very, very challenging. Yeah. And interest, you know, funny you mentioned Kubler-Ross because um, there's this guy, David Kessler, I think. Um, he wrote, because Kubler-Ross was all about the five stages of grief. And then David Kessler came in with the sixth stage of grief grief which is meaning you know making meaning out of that mm. experience mm, and nice. i think i'm the kind of person who actually very quickly jumped to the sixth stage like 
okay. and very quickly started to make meaning out of that experience of mm. having cancer. You know, that's not to say I haven't gone through the five stages. I think at, on one level, I'm trying to make meaning of that experience. But on many other levels, I'm going through all those stages of denial, um, you know, anger, frustration, mm. and, and then coming, finally coming to acceptance. It takes a long time. I, th I think, um, you know, I, mean, I think they, they describe them as being like not uh, linear, that they just jump mm. and change anyway. So like the first thing is you might mm. go into denial, but you also might be angry yeah. or you might just be depressed. I mean, it's just like, yeah. um, that's my own experience of grief. Um, but, but um, and, and I think, yeah, that for me, it was meaning was very, very important. So I can mm. relate. And sometimes all at the same time, you know, angry and, de you know, depressed, depleted, and still trying to make meaning. I think we are complex beings. Um, and I think there is a way our spirit um, helps us kind of hold on to life you know I, I, I do believe the earth is a life sustaining system at its core and that mm. all of us are kind of given ways to to so that we are able to sustain our life for as long as as possible and for me that was my tendency to look for meaning um, and that was um, called upon kind of into my survival mechanism very early on um, and I think that's also partly what led me to what I'm doing now in forest therapy um, I've always liked nature like when I talked about how I was running marathons and hiking all weekends it's mm. because I really like being in nature um, mm. as a healthy person and then also when I was sick um, so I kind of insisted on going out for walks every day even though it just means the park across the road i just have to go i, I sometimes just sit i sometimes just you know go to the dog park and look at dogs playing with each other hmm. um and that would often be the best time of my day during the the toughest time of, of treatment hmm. um that in itself kind of kept me going without the need to look into what that means. Um, the simple fact of spending time outdoors, looking at the sky, being with the trees is in itself, you know, precious and enough in that sense. I think it, it requires a lot of letting go to be so, so um, satisfied with simplicity you know what I mean I think that it says enormous amount about you Amanda I, I think there are times stop, when you're you know, when we're you, being forced to let go <laughs> you don't need to have your the newest mobile phone or the or the latest Gucci handbag or you know I mean I'm trying to think of you know so many things the, the, the latest Tesla or whatever it is it's like there's the most beautiful part in the day is is being in some nature and appreciating some part of the great great wholeness and that's uh that's that's i mean it's, it's super to hear and it's it's inspiring i think i think even that's an inspiring part of your story mm, um, and if that you. i mean it, and is that what you share with people or, or do you is that what mm. um i mean i'm you know typically me i think today's you know, interview is me jumping ahead so uh, is that is that your um, chin, chin, jin, 
Shinrin yoku. yoku. Yeah, I, I mean, one thing about being sick is the the humility that yeah. it yeah. it kind of imposes humility on you because mm. you you suddenly realize there's so much that that's out of your control. Mm. Um, and I think that's something that I really saw in nature because in nature, I don't think anything in nature tries to control. Um, they just flow with the force of life. I always feel like, like nature is a, a wonderful, almost it's, it's a perfect system of, of, um, checks and balances in a way mm. once something grows too big then it's going to fall over and uh, you yeah. know it's and um humility you see for me it's also about it's a power paradox like once you get too big for your boots then somebody's mm. gonna knock you down but whilst mm. you're there you think well we all feel invulnerable you know when we're, and mm. that and that goes with the uh I always keep on referring to Dr. Keltner, Professor Dr. Keltner of uh, California University, I think it is, um, wrote a book called The Power Paradox. And he said, monkeys, they're totally, in, they're totally about control. Yeah, the, the chimps, they, they're brutal mm. about control. And mm. if you're an alpha chimp, you, you think you're the biggest and you can have sex with who, whichever chimp you fancy and, and you can mm. beat up all the other chimps and behave how you like. Yeah, mm. but other chimps are going up the hierarchy, about to chop you. <laughs> and it's, yeah. I mean, you know, life in a way is, it's a wonderful, a wonderful. There's a wonderful cyclic nature to it. And if we, if we, can sit there like I feel you do, and you're sitting there in the appreciation of, of the wholeness, then. I, I guess you kind of are stepping a little bit out of the rat race of it. Mm, yeah. And um, I'm still kind of chewing on what you were sharing about control. I think what's fascinating for me about human beings, and I'm separating human beings from you know all the beings of nature now, mm. what's different for us is that I think we we assume that we can control. And when I look at animals or chimps or you know species that have like alpha figures i feel like yeah there are moments when they're in control but ultimately they are in complete surrender to the higher laws of nature they're in the you know the attempts to stay alive forever uh it's probably only present in human beings um and i think that struggle between and there are moments when I feel like human beings are almost trying to be God. Um, and those are moments when you know, we become really, really vulnerable, actually. You're, I mean, there's so much to say to that. There's, I mean, I, one of my favorite words is kenosis. I don't know if you know it. It's, it means surrender to the divine, surrender to God, mm. which is symbolized by a cross, actually. Um, and of course, that's for my understanding. That's actually what the what uh, the cross represents more than uh, any crucifixion in a, in a Christian way. Um, and that we become God when we surrender to God. We become mm. one with God. So it's our it's the paradox of trying to control everything to become God, and actually, mm. it's a it's a different 
it's it actually a little bit different, but it, it's paradoxical typically, you know, it's like a lot of things. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I also feel like I'm always coming back to this thing of we're veiled, we're veiled beings so that we think we're, say, we think we're powerful, we think we're in control. And then there's a deeper part of us that's going, yeah, yeah, if you think, yeah. That, that is not that is not the case. Yeah, you wait. Uh, it's like the the joke that says, "If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans." Yeah. Oh gosh, yes. Absolutely. Because it's like it's like this this hilarious thing of uh, hubris that we have of thinking we're in control or thinking that we have the answer, and whether that's a religion or whatever. In a way. It, if you think you've got the answer, you already stepped out of the whole, um, the, the, the answer question, oneness. What you shared just now reminded me of, um, there is this little episode in my very windy path where um, I, I haven't started doing forest therapy work yet back oh. then. Um, and I was faced with, I have left the law already. I was recovered, I have recovered from cancer. Hmm. Um, and I was faced with... Yeah, you look great. I've got to say, you look great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, yeah, there was this moment when I had this opportunity to take on a, um, a job, you know, a, an office-based job, a job that would actually blend in a lot of the skills that I have accumulated hmm. from being a lawyer and, and working in, in, in the NGO and then I just couldn't decide. I felt like my world is falling apart. Like I felt like I was at this crossroads. Um, mm. Do I take this job or not? Mm. Um, and there were many moments when I felt like this job was perfect for me. I take all the boxes. Mm. Um, and then I spent many hours just turning, yeah, just turning it over in my, in, in myself and mm. I couldn't decide. And then in the end, I, I, I went to the church. I'm Catholic uh, from birth. So mm. in moments of intense kind of distress, mm. I run to the church. So that's what I did. Mm. And then I just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And you know what? I heard a line, you know, in my head. And I assume that's God talking to me mm. and what he said. So I asked him, so what should I do? What should I do? Um, tell me what I should do. And I'll just follow um, whatever you tell me. And then the line I, I heard was, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> right. And I was really frustrated. Like I was frustrated to begin mm. with. Like mm. I'm coming to you for direction. And mm. all you're saying is you can do whatever you want. Mm. You know, it's not helping um, but in the end, I really appreciated it because it needs to be my own decision. Um, it, you in know, order it, for me to, it, it reminds yeah. me of Washan's story, who had this idea that was coming from the ego, and and he he asked his mentor, who's a Buddhist a Buddhist monk, and he said, "No, that'll that'll kill you." He let go of it and came back where the idea wasn't from the ego. And he said, yeah, that will be very successful. It was kind of the same idea, I, I, my understanding. But once you'd let go, and you, you know what I mean? There's a, there's a subtle, subtle difference of letting go and letting mm. God. Mm. 
and then suddenly it's yeah whatever you it's fine as long as it's mm. not out of this fear-based ego and mm. the intention's wrong like your your whole yeah. um um energy behind it is is off mm. and that's what it sounds it's, like to me in a way yeah and you're right it's all about the intention um mm. you know in in saying it doesn't really matter what you do that's true because it's all about what intentions you're holding as you're doing what you do so i can be doing something that's totally not related to nature but if i go in with the intention of say that i'm going to be of service to nature i'm going to help people i'm going to um and i'm going to enjoy every moment of this because i know this is good for the earth or you know whatever it is intention mm. that i'm holding mm. that's what matters mm. so um i mean in the end i didn't take on that job because i mean it it would be a really stressful job and i don't want to stress my body anymore so i i took that even more windy path to become a forest therapy guide um mm. and i think there's something about working with nature that is hugely humble to begin with because there's so much out of control but also the um the need to take a step back the need to um just let things unfold mm. um without my intervention mm. um and to allow that to happen um that's a core part of um forest therapy and being a guide um we hold space for what needs to happen we don't know what needs to happen mm. um it's 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 a process that we witness it's not a process that we engineer so um it's that whole experience of going through illness i think really helped me in in that step mm. back um mm. and it's a beautiful thing to do i think especially now in in these in these times because there's so much that we need to witness and hold space for mm. um and so many people are finding that difficult um i it's think a, it's much easier in nature it's a beautiful takeaway for me thank you so much that's really nice yeah <laughs> so um you i suppose what i'm kind of um thinking along the lines of is if i came to you and i said I want to do some, I came to you with my, with my bathrobe and my, my towel. So I want to do some forest showers. Um, of course you'd say you don't need your bathrobe and towel. Yeah. But so how do you, you know, joking apart, how do you, how does somebody enter and, and do you have any anecdotes of, of things that have happened? That, mm. that can, you know, cause stories connect people for, you know, in a funny way. Hmm. Well, there are many stories and um, I mean, forest therapy in the way that I'm trained, I mean, there are different ways of, of taking people into nature, but the way I'm mm. trained, we focus a lot on relationships. So um, it's basically a practice or, um, you know, we go in with the intention of rebuilding our relationship with, with nature, with the earth. So um, there's a lot of um, interaction between the people who are there you know with me on this on this journey and also between the people and the beings of nature um so i a, f a funny story is so there 
there was a time when we call one thing, there, there's this one, you can call it exercise or, you know, we call it invitation. There's one mm. invitation that we offered and we used to call it conversation with the tree. Um, so basically, um, you know, after some, you know, priming and warming up, um, when mm. we feel like people are kind of in the zone of, um, of, you know, they're able to leave their kind of um, busy life behind and they're in a more relaxed um, state. You know, in meditation, I think people would call it like an altered state of consciousness. It's, we don't call it that in forest therapy. It's mm. just a more relaxed state, uh, a state of maybe in, in a limin, liminal zone, liminality. Um, and then we invite them to go find a tree and, um, you know, have a conversation with the tree and mm. see, see what you, you know, see what you discover. And then um, I've had quite a few people, you know, come back to me and say, Hey, I, I, you know, I sat with this tree. I told the tree, you know, a lot of stuff. And then I didn't hear a response. And I was like, Oh gosh, <laughs> um, no, the tree is not going to talk to you like human beings do. Like it's not going to open its mouth and, you know, other right, words. Right, right. Um, and I think that for me, like, that happened at the beginning of my, uh, practicum of my training to become a guide and I realized that you know we are so um, engrossed in our own human world yeah that you know some of us can even assume that trees can talk to us just like human beings and I was like whoa <laughs> I've never thought that was possible I've never imagined that but I mean it, it's it, it says a lot about how far we have come uh, you know or, or how far we have removed ourselves from nature um, uh, we focus more on having or that intention that time of um, being with a tree you know, as simple as that being with the tree um, and maybe even seeing the tree as a friend or someone you love and you know and just do whatever your body feels like doing. If you feel like sitting down or, you know, leaning on the tree or just looking at it from afar, but holding that intention of connecting with the tree um, in a way that speaks to your heart. So then, um, then the whole, you know, the whole um, feedback from participants changed. You know, no one's, you know, no one came back to say, you know, the tree didn't speak back to me. I mm. didn't hear anything. Um, but it's, it's a much more embodied way of um, knowing that the trees and, you know, other beings of nature are there for us and with us. Um, and that the trees have been witnessing us. The trees have been pro providing um and sustaining life you know the, those kind of layers started to emerge and you know all sorts of kind of wisdom coming from trees um like trees shedding leaves you know reminding us that we need to shed our old baggage and you know mm. we need to let go of old stuff yeah. um in order for new leaves to grow so there's a lot of those kind of wisdom coming out from mm. from spending time consciously in nature yeah and do you do like um so people can phone you up and say take me to the woods can they just say take me get me out of here i need some nature and i need some somebody to help induct me into connecting because i'm so disconnected uh there are times like that but it's it's not so common that 
you know, for someone to be aware of the fact that they are disconnected with nature mm -hmm. takes a lot of awareness already. Like a lot of times we don't, we aren't even aware of that. Mm -hmm. So what I've been doing and things have evolved over time. So I've been putting out kind of open to public events where people just sign up. And a lot of times people are just curious. They're, you know, they want to see what this is, you know, the Shininyoku thing. You yeah. know, well, what is yeah. all that fuss about? Um, but I also am starting to um, have more and more people writing to me and say, hey, we have, you know, there are a few of us and we really want to see um, if we can experience it together or we want to learn more about it. We want to, there are people who are wanting to go deeper into um, really immersing themselves more. So going going deeper in the sense that they are not just interested in trying it out or trying, you know, being in nature in an intentional conscious way, but also to go inside, to go within and see what's, you know, what's, what's in there, what's right. in there that's, um, that's being reflected to them by nature. So it's become much more of a, um, an opportunity for deeper opening and healing. Um, mm. And I'm starting now because of these, kind of new ways of, of um, that people have started to see this in a, in a different way that I'm starting to do more coaching um, or include coaching elements into, into mm. these um, forest therapy experiences. Right. So sort of yeah. could go into nature with a problem, with, um, with a goal and look for, uh, nature to kind of give you the answers is that yeah a little bit like that i mean sometimes it's not very specific hmm. um they don't necessarily have like one big question in life that they want sorted um hmm. it could just be that you know you know life has been stressful life has been very difficult and challenging hmm. and hmm, yeah you know and they feel like you know something's not sitting right you know something's something's just you know Something's just not right and they're not able to name it, but mm. you know, perhaps going into nature would help, you know, mm. and that already opens the door. So um, with this pandemic, um, I think there's just been even more need for people to go into mm. nature. Mm. Um, and um, the, the situation is challenging because a lot of times, we, you know, in the U.S. there's shelter in place. In Hong Kong, there's this new law against, you know, group outings now, again, just starting tomorrow. Um, so it's really challenging, um, but the need is there and it's actually increasing and, and people are becoming more aware of it. So in whatever ways, you know, whether they come and sign up for an event or they write to me or if they just go out on their own, um, do, do you have a guide? I mean, if I, if I said, oh, right, um, you know, I'm in, now, right now I'm in Thailand. How do mm. I just take a walk in nature? I mean, it sounds stupid. Yeah. I know how to take a walk in nature, but, <laughs> but it's, it's like wine. You know, you can drink a glass of wine and somebody says, okay, well, let me, let me introduce you to wine. There's a whole other yeah. layer of nuance that, that you won't believe. And it's wonderful. Um, is there, is there, resources that people i mean your website's wonderful so i can refer people to your website mm. um, but is there anything else where you can yeah um 
I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing that sounds so simple that sometimes we just brush it off and think that, oh, I take a walk in the woods or I go hiking and that's, that's it. That's forest mm. breathing. Mm. But it's, it's actually much more nuanced and intentional than that. Mm. So um, there are some very simple tips that I've kind of put into a leaflet. Um, and, there are, and these are really simple things like leave your phones behind, mm. um, maintain silence, um, you know, give each other space and tuning into your senses, your, um, your body um, and, you know, really noticing um, nature around us, which is, you know, as simple as it sounds, it's not something that we do every time we go into nature. You know, one thing, I mean, uh, one thing I love about Japanese culture is the ability to make things simple, you know, like mm. sushi is, you know, rice on top of fish, but the way yeah. they do it, like, it's, it's not, it's something else. And there's one sushi and another sushi is totally different. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. I think even that advice is wonderful. So, and, and, um, I feel that that advice is kind of covers so many things as well. So thank you, Amanda. That's beautiful. I think I think everybody would certainly um, check out what you're doing on your website, and uh, if they're interested, I'll I'll refer them to you. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Richard. I really hope you enjoyed the interview. Could you get back to me and let me know if you prefer the old style interview where I where I'm talking for to somebody as long as it takes or whether you like um, the interview where it's like more about 40 minutes. Send me a message on Discover Energy Work on the Facebook page or discoverenergywork at gmail.com and have a fantastic weekend. Rest, recover, and above all, take care. And remember, you can always discover energy work.